Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the policymaking problem for managing your people. I think it's a big guessing game right now because most people don't know what the future of work will look like and what flexibilities will mean. So being a good scientist, I think you need to experiment. You need to have a, a, a bevy of options. And a fine line to cross for component chief information officers. I have to make sure that the technology solutions we approach are not only appropriate and useful for BIS, but also in alignment with our key interagency partners within commerce and also outside of commerce. It's Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. More federal employees are teleworking than ever, according to new data from the Office of Personnel Management. Half of federal employees were eligible to telework in fiscal 2020, the year the new data covers. OPM reports 90% of those eligible employees teleworked during the year. A data platform the Defense Department created for financial management will go to warfighters, according to the agency's chief data officer. David Spurk says the platform called Advana was part of testing in 2021 of the Joint All-Domain Command and Control System. Spurk says Northern Command used Advana during its global information dominance experiments last summer. You can read more about all these headlines and lots of other stories at fedscoop.com. February 8th is the Delivering Better Outcomes Through Automation event FedScoop's putting on. It's at the Ritz-Carlton West End in D.C. from 8.30 to 3. You can read more about it and register through the link in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Office of Personnel Management is taking comments on policies it's proposing to change the way agencies can discipline or get rid of employees. The agency says the changes align with the president's management agenda pillar to rebuild the federal workforce. Jeff Pons, former director of OPM. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. We have the president's management agenda on rebuilding the federal workforce. We have the remote work and telework situation that we've been in now for going on two years. A lot of pieces in motion regarding the workforce now what's your concept of what the idea of rebuilding the workforce looks like and what the elements of that should be welcome yeah thanks francis happy new year to yourself and and your audience um i will tell you that um these policy changes in and around performance management is 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 a bit of the details but i think the foundational things that we really have to tackle is the big basic assumptions of how we reformulate our federal workforce, to make it more modern, to make it more competitive, to make sure that we ensure that people are managed effectively, especially with the way in which we have workforce flexibilities and flexiplace and and telework. Uh, Those things need to be accounted for. So I think OPM is doing their job in terms of trying to shape those things. But I think the biggest uh, issue that we have is our federal workforce has inevitably changed. All of our workforces have changed. And having a package of things to actually shape the the future of work is probably more important than just one one or two of these policies that they're proposing. I consider, you know, having OPM take a look at uh, how work has been affected and what policies actually support the flexible workplace where jobs are not jobs anymore, but they're they're more projects and activities that you're not face-to-face in managing anymore. 
So those are probably uh, some of the more important things that we need to establish new metrics, new policies that shape those things, new ways of, of managing the federal workforce in a remote and distant environment and taking a look at the compensation and performance management systems that actually help support those things. You are well aware, I know, of the debate between the executive branch and the legislative branch about what OPM and the and the executive branch can do on its own and what it needs congressional approval to do. And so what of those things that you just outlined could OPM take on on its own and what will it need to build consensus on Capitol Hill in order to be able to do or change? Sure. So, you know, I, I think the executive branch is very uh, much temporal and administrative uh, driven. So executive orders, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you know, day one of taking off this, you can rescind the other person's things. Um, and that's that's OK uh, if the direction is, is something that the federal workforce really needs and supports. But with longstanding change, you need laws and you need to actually work with uh, the House Government Reform Committee, uh, his GAC, with the Senate side of things and really take a look at how we are building the building blocks of a new federal workforce that helps support merit systems principles, helps support uh, the compensation systems and, and the way in which we recruit people. So those things we need new laws from and new demonstration projects on it. And I think, uh, you know, managing a federal workforce should not be political. It should be managing performance for the, on behalf of the uh, citizens of our nation so that we can have a, a good and effective federal workforce with metrics and measures that actually uh, reinforce those principles. How should one or how should one agency make policy regarding the future workforce when none of us, I think, are really sure what that workforce looks like. How does one build policy that is flexible enough to be able to accommodate what comes mm -hmm. down the pike six months from now or a year from now or five years from now that, uh, or, or that at least can be responsive when, the, when that landscape changes, Jeff? So I think it's a big guessing game right now because most people don't know what the future of work will look like and what flexibilities we'll need. So being a good scientist, I think you need to experiment. You need to have a, a, a bevy of options in which uh, the legislative branch and also the executive branch can kind of investigate. Uh, one size can't fit all, but sometimes um, through policy, we want to fit everything into one thing so that it's standardized across. Uh, our workforce is trying out new things, whether we support that or not. Um, and what we need to do is we need to have a, a whole range of how you can work, where you can work, who you can work with, how, how do you measure those things. And I think giving agencies those specific uh, support mechanisms and flexibilities within policies uh, are, is the right thing to do. So I would say pull back some of the more restricted policies and start creating and start investigating how we need to build the workforce of the future because we're in the learning mode right now. We're not on the establishment mode right now. So we need to learn as we go. And, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a completely different world that we're working in in, in the last two years. And that'll continue. Uh, the good news about that, it strikes me, though, Jeff, is that we can build anything we want. Like the, the people who are really in the positions of authority, 
the sure. limitation they have is what can we think of, not what because whatever they think of, there will there the tools to execute it already exist. It strikes me. Oh, absolutely. There's there's a lot of different tools out there, but there should be new tools too. So, for instance, uh, sh should there be rotation uh, between civil service people and private sector people? So you're rotating the talent on the same types of projects. You take NASA, for instance. Much of the mission work is being performed by contractors, um, and we oversee. Uh, the role of the government in overseeing the contracts, but having that technical and managerial experience on both sides of the table actually strengthens the mission delivery of an organization that that's uh, currently performing very well. What are what's the beginning step, or maybe the beginning two three steps to get to the vision that you've outlined, Jeff? I think you need to find allies uh, in those committees uh, that have been around for quite some time that understand actually how to govern uh, the federal government and, and not make it a political uh, um, issue. Um, there are a lot of good government people uh, on both sides of the aisle. It's getting them together and uh, kind of uh, dropping the whole, uh, well, this is the role that we play. Well, we're playing in the same sandbox. So get some of their staff members uh, to really take a look at what can we do together? Um, because there's a lot more that we could do together versus the one things that we squabble about each administration and then make it political. Uh, I, I know the new OPM director, she seems like a sensible person to me, and she's trying to make the change that's required for kind of taking those new leaps uh, in the federal workforce and, and not it's not just because she wants to, it's because she has to. Jeff Pond, former director of OPM, great to talk to you as always, my friend. Thank you. Happy New Year. You can read more about the OPM policy changes in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast. It is not too early to plan for IT Mod Week. It's coming February 28th through March 4th. More than 100 events will happen around D.C. with lots of government and industry speakers and lots of fun things to do. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. One of the Commerce Department's key components is ditching its legacy IT stack. The Bureau of Industry and Security at Commerce will leave behind its 15- and 20-year-old technology. Nagish Rao is Chief Information Officer at BIS. Nagish, welcome. It's great to see you again. What did you find when you got there, and how are you trying to move BIS out of what it had into where it should be for 2022 and beyond? Welcome. Hey, thank you, Francis, and it's a pleasure to see you again, and I'm a big fan of your podcast, and wonderful to see you continue to crush it as usual and, and, and see our friends continue to thrive in this environment that we have today. Um, you know, it's a great question you've posed to me. So when I arrived as the acting CIO in June 2020 before getting the official appointment in April of this past year, uh, we, the technology stack dated to the 2004-2008 era of time. You know, there was... The staff primarily were using Windows 7 devices. Servers were, were you know, Gen 3, 4 models. They were, it was, a, it, was a, it was it was the old days. It was almost as if, like, basically when I arrived there, it was like right after BIS had first adopted use of IT, and then that was it. And so I was like, oh, oh, my. Um, and, and I know there have been some previous efforts of the sort to try to get BIS into a modernized stack, but it didn't 
happened. And, and fortunately, under the, the auspicious leadership of uh, my colleague, Jeremy Pelters, the deputy undersecretary, he recruited me over and said, I, I need you to help me make the magic happen here. And, and we did that within a year's time frame. We are now on a more modern day tech stack with use of cloud and SaaS solutions, O365, very simple things, but it just needed to get done. And, and a lot of it came around change management, culture management, and then having empowered leadership and empowering the staff to to move out of our um, archaic ways and, and, and progress forward to a North Star. I've been fortunate enough that Andre Mendez, who's the CIO for All of Commerce, has been very supportive as well. Uh, he's he, he and Jeremy gave me the, the gave me the reins and said, "Take the bull by the horns and get it done." And 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 a lot of it just came down to like helping train the staff up, making them feel comfortable with the new technology solutions that are out there. They're fantastic solutions all across the board, but you know we need a simple tech stack that can one allow people to do their jobs effectively, uh, work in a in a maximized telework mobile kind of connectivity and just be able to be effective. You know, IT is a tool in the toolbox and we wanted to set it up in a fashion where people had the tools in the toolkit to do their job effectively. What impact, if any, did COVID have on the way you decided to do this as far as uh, preparing for a mobile workforce, all of those kinds of things? Because the timeline that you laid out there is all post-COVID. We were already in the throes of the pandemic when you got underway there, right, Nagish? You're right. Yeah, because when I arrived in June 2020, COVID, COVID was definitely the, the maximized telework situation across the federal government was there. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I used it to help accelerate. Uh, the, the Bureau of Industry and Security is a small but mighty bureau. It works on a lot of sensitive issues and science and technology matters uh, of interest from a legal and regulatory perspective, right? It's, it's export compliance and export regs. Uh, of, of sensitive science and technology for around the world for companies to export their goods and services to, uh, to, to various com- uh, countries. And um, what was funny was that uh, BIS, because it's a national security and bureau of the sort and has IC components to it, they were not as used to the concept of, uh, of maximized telework capabilities and whatnot because it, the mission kind of didn't p- permit it so much because a lot of the work we do is sensitive and you have to be more in secure rooms and, 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 and skiffs and whatnot. And so we had a good hard look on what we could and could not do and what we were the requirement, the business requirements of the job. And, and, and again, you know, having that strong leadership from Jeremy Pelter helped us, you know, figure out what really made sense in, in the construct above. And uh, long story short, I would say it helped me accelerate and, and rethink the model of good governance and how in making sure that people could still be productive uh, working, whether on-site at Commerce headquarters or remotely from from their telework home situation. You can take this question, Nagish, either tactically as to the way that you did it specifically at BIS or maybe more philosophically as to how one goes about doing this in a generic situation. When you're transforming from a legacy tech stack to something simple that involves kind of, quite frankly, the plug-in pieces that you talked about earlier, does one do that strategically or is it simple enough that it really is just more about execution than coming up with some big plan? I think it's a little bit of both. So the strategic is required because we are a component bureau within commerce. Um, and so I have to make sure that the technology solutions we approach are not only 
appropriate and useful for BIS, but also in alignment with our key interagency partners within commerce and also outside of commerce. BIS works an awful lot with Department of Defense, Department of Energy, the IC community, um, and, and State Department and whatnot. You know, Carrie Reggie, you know, is a, is, a, is a great collaborator and partner of ours. And so um, I have to make sure our technology solutions are matching what they're using as well uh, in some shape or form so that it's easier when the simplest thing is data, right? Data, data, data. I want to export data from one from one agency to another. It's a lot easier to do it when it's within the same tech stack than when it's within different tech stacks. Um, not say it can't be done, but it, you know, you, you have to, as you've probably noticed and, and seen, you know, a Microsoft, when, when you work with a Microsoft product versus a Google product, there's some differences. And so when you export from Microsoft to Google or Google to Microsoft, you got you got to account for the the a little bit of the the delineations that are there. Or if you're both working off the same tech stack, it's easier to you know to, to correspond and work together and, and and sync up on the same matter. So uh, I think that was the strategic part was making sure I picked the right tech solutions that my key um, collaborators were utilizing, so that we would be on the same kind of wavelength. And then on top of that, you know, ensuring that I'm connecting with the customers and the technology solutions they're used to so that they're getting the, the, the best needs uh, and best bang for the buck. Um, you were right, though, about the plug-and-play bit. I mean, a lot of it is now become more plug-and-play, and I think because of the pandemic, not, not, I think the, the, the reports are out there due to the pandemic, you saw 10 years of advances in IT uh, solutions happen drastically. Um, you had more test environments and more variable situations working with the technology which then allowed for the solutions to come more um, dynamic, right? So like we now know how to operate in more settings because there's more people using the solution. So when you've got more people using it, you've got more uh, data to be able to come up with a better solution. Given that you're a component bureau of commerce, and I think there are 11 others, if I recall correctly, and given that you have the yeah. interactivity that you have with the intelligence community and so on, how much autonomy do you have about making those decisions about what's right for BIS and how much of it is just choosing, well, this is what everybody else is using. I mean, how much of that comes out of Nagish's brain and how much of that comes out of the brains of the other CIOs, the components, and how much of it comes out of Andre Mendez's brain, et cetera, et cetera. I would say equal, uh, equal uh, at an egalitarian level, right? So in, in, best answer to the problem wins the, the wins wins the argument right so like we all have equal say we all have um perspectives that are should be heard and and i, I think a diversity of opinion is important uh it, it helps get a better answer um so i there's a fair bit of autonomy for sure but at the same time uh making sure that we're not going off the reservation is important to me and, and important to my colleagues i think we all want to make sure we're all in the same sandbox working together so you have all of these organizations inside commerce. What's the ongoing level of collaboration like where you're kind of keeping tabs on what the others are doing so that you don't get too far out ahead of somebody else or go in a completely different direction than everybody else? Yeah, it, it's actually been pretty good, uh, to be honest with you. The, the, Andre has done a great job at the helm uh, with this, the head of the, the Commerce CIO Council. And, and, and again, he's been very empowering to me, even though, uh, I'm a bureau chief. He's he's encouraged me to go and, and look for new ideas. You know, I engage with the ACTIAC community, the SDA community. 
I'm on the federal CIO innovation committee. Andre said, yeah, no, you should go do it. If, if they're asking you to participate, do it, you know, this is, which is awesome. He's, he's, uh, he's all about the collaborative spirit and getting the best answer. So uh, the collaborations are great. I, I've done some great work already with the NOAA team with Doug Perry and Jack Schwartz. We, we've been leveraging their N-Wave network capabilities. We've been collaborating with Jamie Holcomb a little bit at USPTO and we're looking to ex- expand on that collaboration further, especially on data plays. Um, I, uh, you know, great relationship with, uh, with Parm Sony and, and others. It's, it's, it's starting to come to a more fruition. It takes time. Mm-hmm. We're building the foundation. Andre spent a lot of time making sure all of us who are in the component CIO bureaus, uh, are, are on the bus and, and working together towards the proper solution. Ryan Higgins, who's the commerce CISO, he's awesome. He and I, and Bo Hauser, as you know, Bo, Bo, Bo's the CISO at Census. We, we tag team an awful lot too. I, I've, I've been very fortunate to, to tag team with some great people who want to collaborate and move the needle with me. And, 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 and I think at the end of the day, yeah, the, the, the goal is, is that if you see a North Star and you want to chase after it, no, no problem. People just want to be on the same page and on the same wavelength so that if you're getting a little bit ahead of the curve, they know you're getting ahead of the curve and we can, we can work together. Last time you and I spoke, you were the chief technologist at the Small Business Administration. Maria Rote was the CIO. Guy Cavallo was the deputy. I talked to you yeah. and Sanjay awesome. Gupta, the chief technology <laughs> officer there. You, what did you take out of that SBA experience, which was pretty challenging and, and a lot of transformation had to happen in a short period of time there and apply to what you're doing at BIS? A, a lot of lessons learned, uh, of course, you know, uh, things that worked and didn't work, you know, learning from the failures. But I think what I took away, the biggest thing was, uh, uh, change, having the right leadership and the culture change can actually make a big difference. And, 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 uh, it, it, so I saw someone post on LinkedIn. It was like six, eight months ago, how Maria wrote it. And Maria is awesome, right? She's been a great mentor to me, uh, as his guy, the, the, both fantastic people, how she, when she moved on and then a number of the folks who worked under her started to move on and, and elevate folks were like, Oh my God, it's just like this, 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 the network, of collaborators is expanded with Melvin as the deputy CIO at OPM and, and, uh, and, and Bo, of course, moving on over at CISO at Census. And it was funny. We, we, we chuckled at that because we said, yeah, all we did was expand the tribe. We expand the tribe. And, and honestly, I, I'm glad uh, I had a great experience at SBA overall. I think we made some positive efforts to help the agency fight above its weight class. And, and clearly it did work. Uh, and, uh, and I commend the leadership there that, that really gave us the, the charge and autonomy to do what we had to do there. I think the other thing, too, was is that what I was trying to set up was uh, I wanted the next leaders to come in and take it after. I, I should not – I'm not a fan of, of being in a position for the long haul, only because there's a groundswell of talent that is ready to rise up. And they should be allowed to rise up. It's, it's important for me to set the tone and set a plan. So once I get things going in the right direction and have hit some certain milestones, I can ease out and let the next wave of leadership take over. It's, it's, uh, I'm not interested in, 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 in maintaining that role for life. It, it's, I don't think it's good. I, don't, I, I think change has to constantly happen. Evolution needs to always happen. I'm hoping, honestly, I'm hoping down the road, my next future job, I'll be honest, one of my future career opportunities that I really want is to be like the CIO or CTO of like Domino's pizza or Lego. <laughs> I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Lego nerd. Um, and I'm a huge pizza nerd. So, uh, 
and I saw the CIO of Domino's Pizza, Kelly Garcia. He's doing some awesome work. If anyone not followed what he's been doing, he, Domino's Pizza, I know everyone chuckles and goes, really? And I go, well, one, the pizza is actually darn, pretty darn good now. And two, he's used IT to revolutionize the company. Um, they've got a partnership with Ford to do driverless delivery pizzas. He's, that, that kind of cool experimentation is awesome. And then anyone who's paid attention to Lego, uh, the, the, the team there, the tech team there has really transformed that toy company into being something more than just about toys and, and Lego sets. And, and I, I, it's, that's, that's the cool stuff. Like for me, that's the fun <laughs> stuff. So I'm kind of hoping down the road, I transform myself out of government and go into like a toy company or a pizza company. It'd be, all, it'd be so much fun. Nagish, I love your passion. Congratulations on, on landing at BIS. It's great to talk to you and catch up, my friend. Thank you, sir. And wonderful to see you. I, I have a challenge coin for you. So at some point, we gotta, I got to get it to you. <laughs> we got to get together and I'll collect on it. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. Take care. Thank you. Take care, sir. You can read more about the changes at BIS in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. Now, if you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Thursday's show debuts tomorrow afternoon. Until then, I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.